When I was a little boy, my heart was in the countryside. I called the small village of Tongjiang my home, and the people who lived in it my family. Every day we worked hard, farming rice, peppers, and grain. We didn't have much, but we didn't need much. Therefore, we were happy. We also had each other. So when times were difficult, no one had to experience it alone. Four generations lived under my roof. My great grandmother, my three grandparents, my mother and father, and of course, all of us—six brothers and sisters in all. We slept on the same floor, ate from the same table. And laughed cheerfully every day. Life was good. Our simple life was much different to the lives of city dwellers in places like Shanghai, Beijing, and Chengdu. We knew not of the intricacies pertaining to city life, with their work, their money, and their culture. There was no connection between us and them, no feeling of relation to our life and theirs. The only time we saw city people was when a wealthy businessman would come to our village and buy dry goods to bring back and sell. They would come to the countryside and pay no mind to the people around them, no care or empathy for the situation they stepped into. Us children would gather and look at their expensive clothes from afar, wondering how one person could obtain such items. These businessmen would never notice the curiosity that surrounded them. They could only look forward, and that was something I never understood. We did have another glimpse into a life outside our own, and that. Was through the Sichuan Opera. Normally, the opera was reserved for the emperor, his family, and the wealthy social bureaucrats. Only upper-class members of society were able to witness such highly refined art. The working class and lower-class people of my country could only dream of witnessing such a thing as the Sichuan Opera. But we were the lucky ones. Lin Dalian, a highly celebrated performer of the Sichuan Opera, was originally from my small village of Tongjiang. He traveled all over the country, performing for the highest members of society, and was a master of Bian Lian, otherwise known as the art of face changing. Dalian was taken from my village as an infant, and adopted by the Lin family, a most prestigious family of mask-changing artists. It was said his mother wept for eight days and nights after he was born, and no one knows why. But soon, he was taken by the Lins, and moved to Chengdu, narrowly escaping a low-class life in the countryside.
in Chengdu, and with his new family, he learned all the secrets of mask changing and being a performance artist. Dalian not only fooled the audience with his ability to change masks so seamlessly, but also demanded attention with his presence on stage. By the time he was a young man, he had performed in Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, and even for the emperor himself. Dalian received praise for being the best mask-changing artist in the country, and this was all because he had a special trick no other mask-changing artist could do. At the end of his shows, for the grand finale, he would grab the audience's attention by slowly taking off his mask and revealing his own face. This was something mask changers never did, which was shocking and confusing to the crowd when it happened. He would smile and show his teeth, so everyone there knew it was really him. Then, the music would slow down, with tension building in the room, while the audience grew unsure of what was next to come. The music would then slowly build back up as Dalian carefully covered his face with a fan. In anticipation, the crowd focused intently on him as the music became wild and out of control. At the perfect moment, he would pull the fan away from his face swiftly to reveal a new face, a different face, a face that was not his. But it was his, and the people reacted hysterically, baffled by what stood before them. When Dalian performed this trick, people said his eyes held the intense glare of a maniacal god, as if vibrating unnaturally and almost mocking in nature. He would then flip the fan back in front of his face quickly and pull it away only for his face to return back to normal. The audience would erupt with applause, and it was because of this trick Dalian earned such praise. Now he was an old man, and it was said he didn't perform his special trick as much anymore. In fact, he didn't perform much at all anymore, but Dalian truly was a man of the people. And being from my small village, he would return to pay respects to his original home, for he was our only other glimpse into the outside world besides the businessmen who came to buy goods. And he always made sure we knew he loved us. When he arrived, he would always bring small sugar candies for all of us children, a luxury we wouldn't ever have known if not for him. He also gave money and special gifts to the elders of the village as a sign of respect and to show gratitude to the people whom he came from. But that wasn't all. He would also perform his mask-changing act for us, and it was absolutely magical. 
the drums pulsed as if they had a life of their own. And Dalian treated the stage as if it were his home. You never had to watch a performance before to know a master was at work when he stood in front of an audience. He danced like a warrior in battle and invited the crowd to witness something new every time they watched him. He wore his extravagant red silk garb with eye-catching designs embroidered on his boots, belt, mantle, shoulder pads, and cape, along with his grand headdress, which held ornate flowers and two golden dragons which ran along the sides and met up in the middle. He looked like a god among men in front of everyone, and with his black silk mask, the source of his magic seemed inhuman. He swayed, spun, and stomped on the stage. With a quick flip of his cape, his face was covered for only a moment before his mask turned green. He looked away, and in the blink of an eye he looked back at the audience, with a mask blue like the sky. Seemingly out of nowhere, a large white fan slowly appeared in his hand, as Dalian instantly flung it open to cover his face. As fast as it opened, he snapped it shut, leaving a pure white mask in place of the blue one. The people of my village sat stunned by the act taking place before them. For us, much like anyone else who witnessed Dalian perform, it was indeed a sight to behold. This was the first time I ever saw his signature trick, as he carefully removed the headdress and slid the white mask off of his face. The crowd cheered to see his old merry grin, and he bowed in gratitude for their appreciation. Right as he stood up from his bow, his expression became serious and the crowd went silent. The drums beat, as if battle was just over the horizon, and Dalian's glare intensified. The people looked on in awe, unprepared for what was about to happen. The drums grew louder, and Dalian fluttered the fan, placing it in front of his face. It sat there, vibrating away, seeming to suggest something was taking place behind it, with anticipation building to the point of discomfort. Just as the people couldn't take it anymore, he pulled the fan away. Right where Dalian's face had just been was the face of a western man with a monocle over one eye, a thick bushy mustache, and a tobacco pipe in his mouth. His eyes quivered and shook as he peered deep into the hearts of the audience members. The crowd gasped, and Dalian took a long, deep drag from his pipe. With his other hand, he took the pipe out of his mouth to release a huge cloud of smoke from his lungs. Shock overtook the onlookers, and no one knew how to react to this bizarre demonstration. In the midst of this overwhelming shock, 
Dalian shot the fan back in front of his face and then snapped it shut, returning his original face to where it once was. The spectator's concern broke, and everyone took a big sigh of relief before applause broke out for his magnificent and confusing act. The energy in the village changed greatly after Dalian's performance. People could not stop talking about the wild face trick. Speculation arose about how he was able to do it, with some saying that it was not him. Perhaps he had gotten a foreigner to help him. Others said that he had a professional mask maker who was able to make a realistic face mask. Those who had no theories simply thought Dalian to be magic. Either way, the people adored him, and he was always welcomed in Tongjiang. As time went by, people thought less and less about Dalian and his special trick. Life moved on, and we weren't afforded the luxury of dwelling on such trivial things. My oldest brother left the village and went to Chengdu in search of money and opportunities for a better life. He said he would send money back to us, but I didn't care. All I wanted was my brother. I was still very young, maybe only ten years old, but with one less pair of hands, we all had to work even harder. Things were already difficult enough at this time, and they got much worse very quickly when the famine happened. Crops did not grow, and not only did we not have enough to sell, we didn't even have enough to feed ourselves. Many nights we all had to go with very little, or none at all. People became very weak, and if they got sick, hadn't the strength to fight it. Many of the elders passed away, including my great-grandmother and two of my grandparents. It was a horrible, horrible time. And all we had was each other. During the famine, we lost a very important member of our village, Tan Mei Ping, the wife of Tang Chang'an, had died from sickness. The Tan family were the largest landowners in the village and very loved and respected. Her death shook the whole community and it was very sad for all of us. Upon hearing about the death of Tan Mei Ping, Dalian decided to return to the village and pay his respects to the Tan family. When word arrived that Dalian was going to visit, life came back to the people. For the first time in a long time, we had something to celebrate, something to look forward to, and quiet whispers of his peculiar trick began to resurface. Happiness filled the air in anticipation of his arrival, 
welcoming ceremony was planned, and a large bamboo stage was built. Food had started to grow again, and the village planned a welcome meal upon Dalian's arrival. When he finally came, the people rejoiced. The cheerful old man waved and smiled from his covered wagon as all of us children ran alongside it. He gave out mooncake and sugar candies to us while we laughed and shouted with joy from outside his wagon. I remember he handed me a sweet plum candy as I ran by with all of my friends. And it was the most delicious thing I had ever eaten. Dalian stepped down from his wagon and was greeted by everyone. The entire village crowded around him and smiled excitedly as they welcomed him back. That night, we all ate a large meal together and the adults drank rice wine, which Dalian brought all the way from Chengdu, a delicacy us country people knew not well. The whole village celebrated and howled with laughter all through the night, beyond enthusiastic for his performance the following evening. Although Dalian's arrival was in response to one of the saddest times in my village, that night was oddly thrilling and made everyone forget about the misfortune we had endured. The sun rose up and then set in the blink of an eye, as the only topic of conversation being Dalian's performance. Would he do his special trick? Who will he become? That evening, the village gathered at the big stage and waited eagerly for the show to start. Suddenly, the drums started to play, and the crowd focused their attention to the stage. Dalian emerged in his red silk costume, and the audience cheered. He began his act and danced about the stage, changing from one beautifully colored mask to another. The crowd watched in amazement and clapped for every fantastic motion. Finally, after his performance had run its course, the music died down, and Dalian calmly removed his mask. More cheering and applause came from the audience as he approached center stage and made a gesture to the crowd. He called Tan Cheng An to the stage, and the people slowly stopped clapping in response to this strange notion. Cheng An made his way to the stage and stood in front of Dalian, waiting curiously for what came next. The drums beat intensely once again, and Dalian's large white fan manifested in his hand. He opened it and carefully placed it in front of his face. Cheng An stared dazed at the fan veiling Dalian's face as all leaned forward in anticipation. I remember this moment so clearly because it was the last time our village stood in solidarity. Dalian flung the fan shut instantly and on the other side sat a familiar face, the recently deceased wife of Tan Cheng An, Tan Mei Ping glared powerfully at him from center stage. Complete silence filled the air 
and jaws dropped at the sight of a real-life ghost. The whole village could not comprehend what they were seeing, as her eyes trembled vigorously and scowling to no end. In the height of this madness, Dalian snapped the fan open and shut swiftly, bringing back his normal face. Tan Cheng'an's eyes rolled into the back of his head, and he fell onto the ground, fainting from the overwhelming shock. There was no applause following this frightful act, just more silence, and then shouting. Some had been upset by this egregious gesture, yelling at the stage and telling Dalian to get off. He did so right away, left the village the next morning, and never returned for the rest of his life. Once again, the energy of the village changed. But not like the last time Dalian visited. People were not happy and joyful like last time. They were bitter, confused, shocked, and also amazed. The attitude was split between villagers, with some calling Dalian a disrespectful fool, and others referring to him as an untamed master. News traveled about his noteworthy feat, and opinions of his action were split among outsiders as well. From that point forward, my small village was fractured. People who had been lifelong friends suddenly stopped talking. Families who had always had relations cut them immediately. Controversy and disharmony shrouded my happy village and things never returned to normal. Years passed, and even though people spoke of Dalian less and less, division was still apparent. He did return to the village eventually, but this time in a casket and not on his own two feet. A funeral ceremony was held for him with people coming from far and wide to pay their respects. Those who opposed him made no such efforts, but the attendance of people was still quite large. I can remember seeing the long, long line of people leading up to the casket, bearing food and gifts to leave at his side. Even as a controversial figure, the respect for him ran deep and the people could not ignore his mastery as an artist. One of the attendees was a renowned jade sculptor who traveled from Chengdu with a signature sculpture depicting the bottom half of a woman's face. An act of homage to what some called Dalian's greatest trick ever. When the line shortened, I made my way to the back so I could pay respect to the man who brought us all so much joy. I eventually reached the casket and found myself alone with the body of a man who I believed to be magic up until this point. On the shelf next to him, I placed the other half of the sweet plum candy he had handed me years ago. 
even though it was the most delicious thing I had ever tasted. I couldn't bring myself to finish it after everything that happened. I glanced around to find no one near me, and I looked at the peaceful body of Dalian, dressed up in his Bianlian costume, with a gold silk mask covering his face. I wanted nothing more than to see his face one last time. So in a reckless act of fondness, I lifted the mask to reveal his face. What I saw, I still don't understand to this day. Laying there, in the casket, behind the gold mask, was a face unlike the face of any other human being. It was completely featureless, except for two closed eyes, two tiny slits where the nose should have been, and a long, thin incision for a mouth. His face was completely round, and his skin was perfectly smooth, without wrinkles. Baffled by what lay before me, curiosity took over and I pressed my fingers into his unworldly appearance. His skin was soft, but more than soft, as I pressed deeper and deeper into his face. When I pulled my hand away, three indentations sat where my fingers had just been, and they stayed there for a few moments before slowly returning to original form. Frightened someone might see me, I quickly slid the mask onto his face and walked away. Confusion does not properly describe how I felt, and still feel, after the events of that day. I never told anyone what I saw, even after all these years, but it has taken many years for me to understand only one thing. Dalian's grandest achievement was never the praise he earned for his spectacular performances, his supreme showmanship, his special face-changing trick, or his most famous incident, which came to be known as the Dead Mother. His grandest achievement was fooling the entire great nation of China that he even had a face at all.